Hello and welcome to this episode of TASME Time Talks in Medical Education. I'm Oliver, an internal medicine trainee based in London. And today we're joined by Professor R.K. McKinley, known to lots of people in medical education as Bob. He's um, ASME's Director of Career Groups and also Emeritus Professor of Medical Education and General Practice at Keele University. So welcome to TASME Time, Bob. It's great to have you with us. Um, firstly, for our listeners who haven't met you before or seen you at a conference, um, perhaps you could give us a little introduction to yourself and a little bit of a um, introduction to your career and how you ended up working with ASME. Okay. Um, well, I'm Bob McKinley. I was the Professor of Education and General Practice at Keele University and I went to Keele to set up the Undergraduate General Practice Programme uh, which I, where I had an, a, an amazing time for 10 years and really enjoyed my work there and I think we did something quite different and quite important. When I retired I went back on a part-time contract as the Director for Medical Education and uh, research and scholarship. But I uh, stopped that after a couple of years uh, because essentially it was a luxury the university couldn't afford or the medical school couldn't afford. So since then I've been essentially freelancing. I've still got my research, I've still got uh, some postgraduate students, uh, but at about the same time I've joined the board uh, of ASME. Uh, as the director for career groups, uh, which was largely because one of the most important things in my career was helping other people develop and grow their careers. And that was my, where my interest lay. And I thought it was a way that I could get involved in the same arena, and, but spread my hopefully positive influence a bit further. Great. Uh, thank you. And um, this episode we're focusing on talking about coaching and mentoring and obviously you alluded to it a little bit in your introduction in your your career that um this is something you've experienced of and are passionate about um what would you say the differences are between coaching and mentoring and or what what are what is coaching and mentoring um in um well, if we have a a, a mentors training course that we use to introduce people who would like to mentor for ASME. And in that, we don't really make any, um, don't distinguish between mentoring and uh, coaching. I've always found it a bit confusing because in the medical and health professional arena, uh, we tend to talk about mentoring and use the, the word mentoring, where in many other fields, they use the word coaching. I've always found it a bit back to front because I always thought of coaching as in sports coaching was preparing, uh, preparing and developing people for a very specific um, task. Uh, whereas those who work in the coaching field uh, see mentoring as preparing people for a very specific, uh, a very specific and directive form of coaching. So when we talk about mentoring, uh, if you talk about coaching, we're talking about essentially the same thing. 
and we're using a very um, and espousing a very non-directive mo uh, model, uh, whereby the uh, the mentor's coach is someone who is prepared to give time and space to a, a colleague and to help them um, work out who they are, where they are, where they want to go, and how they can best get there. Great. And um, you, a, a lot of our listeners are early career educators or um, more junior clinicians. So we'll have some involvement probably of being supervisees as well as but maybe starting to take on sort of mentoring or coaching responsibilities, whether that's as a teaching fellow, as a more senior clinician on a, in a team, um, as well as maybe some people are having sort of more formal roles um, as mentors. Um, what 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 makes a um, a good mentoring relationship or a coaching relationship, in your opinion? Um. I think um, good mentoring relationships are um, was a bit like uh, Tolstoy and happy families. Happy families are apparently all the same and unhappy families are all different. I suspect all happy mentoring relationships are just as different as happy families are. The, uh, a good mentoring for me a good mentoring relationship is or a good coaching relationship that's two parts and I think it is a two-way process. Um, it's as someone, the, the mentor, the coach, the senior partner, um, is someone who is prepared to give time and effort to someone to support them about where they want to go. The mentee, the coachee, the more junior uh, member of the dyad is someone who is coming and is prepared to look at themselves and think about themselves hard. And I suspect where the relations go wrong is either when the mentor, well, when the mentor and the mentee, coachy, coach, uh, coach, coachy, their expectations aren't aligned, aligned, and their efforts aren't aligned. Either the coach wants to give something that the coachy doesn't want, or the mentee wants something, which the coach either is not able or not willing to give so it's about um reciprocity yeah <laughs> absolutely and uh <laughs> aligning and a learning early on about what someone wants to get from a, that relationship as well as what what someone can give to that relationship yeah and i think it needs flexibility in both parts mm. that the um some of the most surprising things that have happened to me as a mentor is when um, the the person I'm working with, uh, something completely unexpected happens uh, or something is said or something emerges. And sometimes it's something that the, the, the person I'm working with actually hadn't realized themselves. And it's that process of discovery and that opening doors, which I, I, I just find wonderful. Um, it's really very exciting and rewarding. You mentioned earlier about sort of the the mentor being a more senior um, senior person with it. 
and there has been a slight in some areas of medical education there's moved to sort of peer teaching and a bit of peer mentorship how do you feel about that as a do you think that there's value in that as well as a sort of more senior junior relationship oh, and mentorship well, when i say senior junior uh it's it's all it's all relative mm. um i i personally feel that uh as someone who's moving into and past the uh the, well the autumn and into the winter of the career what i can give someone who's in the springtime of their career is very limited i have no idea what it's like to be um an F3 taking on a clinical teaching post and trying to build a career nowadays. It's just a completely different world than the world I inhabited over 40 years ago. Um, and for me to pretend that I understand uh, what it's like, well, I think it's, it's facile and naive. Um, but I think the person, the, the guide, uh, needs to have um, some skills that the person who's been guided, or some attributes that the person who's been guided doesn't have. Um, that might be sort of seniority in a year, two years further ahead in their career. It might be someone who's may not be professionally as mature as the, as the mentee, but actually is further along in the medical education career. It's one of the things that we need to be very careful uh, is that when we talk about people who are early in their medical education career, it doesn't mean that they're early or early in their clinical careers. Mm. We people who come into medical education in sort of as senior or relatively senior consultants, as relatively senior SAS doctors or relatively senior GPs. But as educators, they're still quite junior and have and can learn a great deal from people who are actually younger than they are. So senior is a relative concept in this in this space. Mm. But I'm absolutely I'm very keen in peer mentorship. And it's one of the things I've been absolutely explicit in the ASME mentoring um, and the mentors course that we're happy to take medical students, uh, foundation doctors, uh, early uh, uh, early years trainees uh, were not looking for the, the great and the good by any means. Mm. I think this comes up a lot in um, a lot of the podcasts and the different people that we have on as guests and is the, I think as, as clinicians, we have such a stepwise drawn out career um, progression, but running a medical education career portfolio alongside that is very different and obviously there's all the the um people in the space who who aren't from a clinical background and are working in medical education research and practice and and it i think uh matching that up is quite an it, it can take challenge of finding people who are your your peers in an educational practitioner sense but also your um who would be a mentor for you we've um you've alluded a little bit to it already about um that you've mentored lots of people you're still supervising some postgraduate researchers what are some of the highlights of of you of, from your experience of being a mentor um well the thing i'm most proud of are the um, 
colleagues who joined um, my team as service general practitioners who had no formal academic backgrounds and the careers that they have built. Um, I have a number of people who came into my team as senior GPs and now professors of general practice and general practice education. And that just shows what can happen uh, when uh, able people um, are encouraged and enabled to develop themselves. And it also shows that there's no, um, that being 40 years old and a clinician at the, at the age of 40, it's, you can still get to senior academic positions and senior leadership positions in medical education. And you don't, it's not a risk, you don't need to go into medical education uh, the day after you graduate and work furiously in medical education to build a senior, uh, to build a successful career and a career in leadership in medical education. Yeah, I think, we, again, we see that this comes up a lot of the sort of, it's okay to pace yourself in your career and actually comparisons can be really challenging in this space, particularly as sort of junior doctors involved in medical education or wanting to be involved. People who have got so many publications or experience or positions within faculty at, at a relatively junior clinical position but much more experienced and but you can also flip that on the head as you as you mentioned and I think particularly as medics within the field we we used to comparison and competition and therefore particularly although with some of the changes that's going a little bit but it's very easy to make those comparisons it's one of, for me, one of the great pleasures of medical education is how collegiate, collaborative and non-competitive, or mm. it's not, um, non-competitive is not the right word, um, um, that it's not, it's, it's not a competition. Um, we all, uh, everybody who researches in medical education is, uh, tears their hair out about the lack of funding. But one of the good things about having very little funding is the way you get things done is by collaborating. And that's been a great joy in my career, the number of people I've collaborated with. And it's also, there are many paths to success and there are many successful destinations. You don't have to become the, the dean of the medical faculty to be a success. Mm. And you don't have to become a, an a NHR research professor to be a success mm. or to be successful. There are just so many pathways. And you, we really can define our own pathways. And to a big extent, I think we can define our own successes. Mm. And if... Um, if mentorship can help people find their path to their success, that's that's what's really wonderful. Mm. Absolutely. It's where some of the magic comes from. Yes, and I think that I think one of the nice things about um, medical education and medical education research is a, you're quite there is the ability to kind of dip between different projects and quite different um almost specialisms and approaches to either research or areas of research which is really nice whereas i think in clinical research 
it's much more easy to be kind of suddenly get into a very small area of research and and then specialization whereas medical educationalists or it's easy to come quite try lots of different things well i would can't completely agree with you there i think uh, medical education is becoming more specialized and hmm. um, the literature is becoming more um, demanding to understand and assimilate and uh, our methods and methodologies are becoming more more rigorous. Um, but we can still, um, you, know, we can use our tools and our specialist tools that we've developed. And we've, we have opportunities to use them in different, different areas and different ways. So I think I agree that I think we have more flexibility, but I do think it's becoming more, more of a specialty or more specialized than it was when I started um, too, too many decades ago. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it, the the flexibility of the discipline and the skills. Um, rather, yes, not that it's not specialized. Uh, yes, I agree. And I also enjoy how, um, I'm quite sure what the right word is, how... Um, how many different research paradigms it embraces, and mm. it is—it hasn't become hidebound, or it isn't hidebound. And you can—you've got an opportunity to use many different ways or many different set of tools. And I—I've kept finding new tools. Great. Um, we've talked about some of the positives of. Um, uh, mentorship and coaching wouldn't I think it's sort of to maybe understand what what are some of the barriers to a good coaching dynamic or, or mentorship dynamic um, well the first barrier is access um, the I've had um, I, I, my, my, my belief, my prejudice is that for still for too many people, uh, finding someone who will support them in a mentoring, coaching, represent, uh, sorry, uh, relationship is there's too much luck in it. It can come down to the chance conversation that you had in the coffee queue, or it can come down to you're lucky to be appointed. Uh, um, to a job by someone who was interested in developing others um, and I, I worry that uh, people who would benefit from mentoring or would uh, for whom uh, mentoring would be a positive experience can't access it. Mm -hmm. I also am concerned about the negative perception. And I think there is a negative perception. This was something that I, I hadn't realized until I started my conversations around the mentoring program for ASME, was that for too many people, that when they are when they get their compulsory mentor, mentor, it's seen as a sign of, or they're seen as being at risk of failing their probation for a job and they aren't performing particularly well. So it seems a negative 
a, a negative intervention to, uh, well, either get somebody to perform in a job or to get them out of a job because they're not doing very well. And that, I think, is a very unfortunate mm. type of uh, performance management that has become associated with. Where I was very lucky in my career that uh, I, it has always been a positive experience and a positive um, uh, intervention for me personally as the mentee. So uh, barrier uh, barriers to accessing and then uh, negative perceptions. The second problem is, I think, expectations. I think some people, and both mentees and mentors, uh, have a perception that it's about uh, the mentor knowing, knowing where the doors are and how to open them. And the, the mentor is somebody who will show you the doors and open them for you. Whereas, uh, you know, I, I, I would never minimize the importance of you know, who you need to speak to is. And that can be a very important intervention, but it's not the only intervention. Uh, and it's that open-ended um, curi- curiosity about the pers- person and who they are uh, who they are, where they are, and where they want to get to, I think is the, the core of it. And it's not something that necessarily everybody will be comfortable with. Mm-hmm. It can be very exposing for both the mentee and the mentor. The mentee needs to, um, well, both need to give a little bit of themselves. The mentee has to show and has to have trust and show parts of themselves and perhaps they're not comfortable about. And sometimes the mentor will have to say, I don't know. And it's not always easy to say, I don't know. Mm. You might even have to say, I'm not the right person at the moment. You need to speak with someone else. And again, that's not necessarily an easy thing to do. Mm. I think that's an a interesting point of perhaps you have a, men- a mentor for one phase of your career or a certain project or a, a, an aspiration, but they're not necessarily the your your mentor forever or your or because of that, as, as we've discussed, the different skills you might need or actually you they were your mentor as a junior early career researcher and actually now you're on an almost peer situation through that development and actually you need to find someone else to support you. Yes, you th- absolutely. Um, you know, the With people that I've mentored uh, quite often, and I, I would say that with the vast majority, I have suggested that um, they've, they've done as much with me as, as, than they're, as, as they're likely to do at this present time and encourage them to think about, okay, and sometimes I'll make suggestions about people with whom they could work. But that doesn't mean that they can't come back again in the future. Mm. But at the other end of the spectrum, you can, and it's perfectly acceptable to say that I have a particular issue or um, matter that I wish to think about and deal with at the moment, and to say that, okay, over the next six months, we're going to work on this, and then at the end of the six months, we will say, hopefully, 
thank you and goodbye. Hmm. And do you think it's possible or sensible to have multiple mentors at the same time? Or do you think that becomes a complicating factor in the dynamic? Well, as a, a GP and a clinician, I was always wary about a patient having two people under their mental health bonnet at the same time. I was always wary about two mechanics working in the same engine. Um, but I think if they're doing clearly different things, I could see um, you know, the you can yeah, and you can separate careers into different uh, boxes. You know, that you have your research career and you may have needs and support uh, and uh, needs and issues that you wish to do there and you may have your uh, academic leadership um, career and I can see situations where it'd be entirely rational to have uh, to be working with two different people in different aspects of your career but I think it has to be done mindfully so identifying what each mentor is for and, and kind of and sticking with that we've talked a little bit about it already but i think it'd be worthwhile talking a little bit about the asme mentoring scheme and how people could get involved um as both mentees and mentors and how it sort of came about and any successes that have been from it or you've noticed from it so far um, well, I've learned to be success flexible. Uh, one of my ambitions, one of my uh, goals when I took on the uh, director for career groups was to to get ASME to think about and hopefully, hopefully set up um, a mentoring program because of my anxieties about luck being an important or quite often the single most important uh, issue in Success, uh, from for too many people, so uh, we we now have the the mentoring program. It's still in its development. We have about a uh, hundred people who've been through the mentoring course. Um, that has been hugely successful, and what I find really gratifying is the appetite that there is out there for people to have development or. Perhaps not just development, but validation, self-validation of their skills and their ability and their readiness to mentor. It's also been uh, open. For, it's not just for senior people. We've had medical students, as I said. We've had foundation people right through the spectrum of um, um, clinician educators, but we also have had uh, people from um, health profession, uh, allied health professional backgrounds and also people who are science educators who have come and attended the course. So, and that uh, plurality is something, uh, that diversity is something I was very definitely looking at or looking for. We now have an, uh, an, uh, an ASME mentors directory. It's still quite a select band. The reason I said I'm being success flexible, I was hoping that most people who did the course um, would sign up as, uh, as uh, mentors. That hasn't been the case, um, but we're starting to push at that again and try to get more uh, more mentors. Um, but the fact that we've got people out there who feel better equipped, just even if it's just a mentor in their workplace, that that's a success. Mm -hmm. 
but we need to build our group of um, uh, mentors. We are very close to having as many mentees as we can manage who've applied and allocated. It originally was very slow. Um, the really surprising thing is the number of overseas uh, members who have asked for mentorship. And um, while that's been a, a very pleasant surprise, mm. the flip side is that we haven't qu had quite as many uh, people working in the UK and um, who have asked for mentors. Now, that might be a symptom of there being less demand in the UK than I uh, had, re uh, had, had, had anticipated. And it might be a spin-off if we're getting more people and there are more people out there in the workplace who are mentoring. There may be less need for a national uh, register and organisation to supply it. Mm. But at the moment, we don't fully understand what's happening there. Or at least I don't fully understand what's happening there. But um, we're moving forward. We're trying to, de uh, to develop it. We're trying to refine the offering. And uh, hopefully, uh, when I step down from the Director of Career Groups, it'll be in a strong position next, next summer. Great. And um, people can find out more information on the ASME website, can't they? And I'm sure you can show a link with the uh, podcast. We can indeed. Um, it has been um, great talking to you today. I'm very grateful for your time and your um, thoughts on the matter. Is there anything else you wanted to say? We, we, we like to end our podcast on a sort of look forward, but I feel like we've already covered that slightly with how we're going to... Maybe well, any. Uh, I would. Uh, I would basically sort of uh, do the um, what do you, the pitch, the um, uh, the the advertisement, and that is that if you if you uh, are interested in mentorship, please apply and please uh, uh, um, come to the uh, ASME workshops. It's open to all individual members. Uh, I would strongly encourage you if you think that you've got something that you can give another uh, and you think you just might be interested in becoming a mentor, you know, please get in contact, please email me. Uh, I'd be delighted to have a conversation with you. And of course, if you think that mentoring might be something you can benefit from, please get in contact too. Fabulous. Thank you so much. That was a really nice discussion um, talking about mentorship that we had with Bob. We are joined now by Rob, another member of the TASME team. Hi, Rob. Hi, Ollie. How are you? I'm good. How's your week been? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. A little bit of ARCP stress, but um, that's, I guess, the joy of uh, being a trainee, right? Absolutely. Um, yes, I... I've had mine recently. It was stressful enough. Got another twelve months ish before another one. Um I mean I shouldn't complain. This is my last one, so I, I guess it's a meant to be slightly more stressful, but but at least it's the final one and then never again. Absolutely. Um and fingers crossed for it all going well. Thank you. Um so we had a really um interesting and thoughtful discussion with Bob about um, mentorship and how it fits in into 
medical education, particularly for trainees. And I thought it would be worthwhile actually maybe as reflecting on our experiences being mentors or mentees. Um, and I wonder if you had any thoughts on that or experiences you wanted to share, Rob. I certainly, I, like having listened back to what Bob said, I thought it was a really interesting chat and really highlighted some of the things that I think are really important, both from in sort of both sides of my experience. And I think certainly from my medical education career perspective, I don't have to think twice about the person that's provided me with that support. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, interestingly, that it sort of ended up being two people now. And, and I think naturally you find as you move I've been really lucky to be sort of affiliated with the universities in my medical education career um, to varying degrees. And two people that both worked interestingly at the first university and then sort of one has moved to a second one that I've I've been working with have been really helpful for having those sort of career chats, helping direct and signpost. And I know we talk a lot on this podcast about the complexity of careers in medical education. And I think for listeners that are really keen on pursuing a career a more formal career in medical education um having a mentor that sort of has followed a similar path to you is really helpful it certainly helped me to have these two people that i'm a gp trainee they're both gps they've both had significant leadership roles in medical schools more than one medical school now each and i think having them and the ability to talk to them about things and to just help navigate that complexity and to help forge your own path has been so helpful for me and it's something that I'm sure that when I sort of reach Bob's career stage and I'm thinking about retirement I'll look back and be able to say well actually these two individuals shaped where I've ended up. Yeah I think that's it sounds like you've been really lucky with those relationships not lucky but um those relationships have been really useful to you in giving you guidance and um that experience i think it's uh, interesting i think we talked a, a lot with bob about a lot about formal mentorship about sort of i want to have a mentor or and you are my mentee kind of relationships whereas actually i think there's we we didn't really touch on the sort of lots of the informal mentorship that happened which might be quite um transient and happened kind of uh, especially in hospital you may have like a um your clinical supervisor or your um or your educational supervisor for a year whilst it's not their primary role they i've had some that have given me excellent sort of mentorship and guidance about about particular areas um again it's it's a slightly different relationship because they have a supervisory role with within your training not just sort of providing you the guidance and support with your wider career or the, your current challenges um but i look back and and i actually i don't think i have had a uh, what necessarily described as formal mentor that we've established um but i think it, i i am in the process of i think that's something that i need to start establishing particularly with regards to sort of navigating a uh portfolio career of education clinical etc um because it is a challenge and clinical is very easily set out whereas the sort of other as we've discussed many times the the other elements take a bit more navigating and a bit more experience to get um to find the doors i think is a way of describing it no I, I go on 
no sorry and you've you've been a mentor as well what's it like on this on the other side have you enjoyed that experience I definitely do and I think I think the really key thing there and I think Bob touched on this is it's about finding the right person for your needs a little bit and what you need and I think so I've mentored people both formally and informally to various degrees I certainly think actually anyone that's interested in pursuing a long-term career as an educator should look at doing some training I was really lucky that um, one of the modules in my master's in medical education was on coaching and mentoring and as part of that we had the opportunity to do um, some formal mentoring training and I've also done the ASME mentoring training and they were both very similar in terms of approach I think having that skills means that then even when it's a friend that comes to you with a sort of I don't know about this or that you actually have some tools to just help to ask the right questions because a lot of the approach really in mentoring certainly from my understanding and I probably go down the more coaching style of where it's it's asking people open questions it's getting them to come up with their own solutions it's not just telling them what you think I think once you've had that training and you've got that mindset they're a really useful broad set of tools you can use across um, lots of contexts that might just be as simple as one question to one person informally that comes to you at a time or it might be that more prolonged formal relationship and I, I'm on the mentoring database for a number of organizations um, and it is a, I think it's it's very similar it's not shocking I guess that it, it's something I enjoy because I enjoy being an educator and fundamentally mentoring or coaching is about developing other people in the same way that all education is and it can be really rewarding when you see someone navigate a challenge and get to that end point with a solution that works for them yeah I I also did some um when I was doing my PG cert I did there was a module on um coaching and 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 mentorship and it is interesting and actually there's lots of academic literature on it that we haven't covered today and the different models that can be used um but as you say they kind of stem from that asking open questions finding solutions um and it, it definitely came into use when i was a teaching fellow and sort of just helping some of the students um through some problems and obviously they were just with us for a placement or so so it wasn't it wasn't a longitudinal thing it was just a very short term but useful rather than just being able to give them answers or direct advice actually turn it around and make it more of a how are they gonna solve the problem or problems at the moment yeah I definitely think that's that's got to be the way forward um, in this kind of thing. And I just think it's, I always think, we sort of have touched on this a couple of times on the podcast now about thinking about things as sort of like your teacher's toolbox. And I think mentoring and coaching skills are just one set of skills that you have in your toolbox to help people. What a perfect way to round it up. Absolutely. All about developing our teacher's toolbox. Thank you to our guest, Professor McKinley, for sharing his insights on this subject. If you've enjoyed today's episode, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. You can find out more about TASME, ASME and our many other groups at asme.org.uk. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at TASME underscore UK. Thanks to the podcast team and wider TASME committee as well as Amlunya for our theme music. Thank you for listening to TASME Time and we look forward to seeing you again soon.